Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. So I'm super duper excited about this one. We're going off script a little bit today, right? Cause, yeah, cause yeah, I'd say. It's not a comic book, but it's definitely comic book-esque. Yes. Definitely comic book ass. So, first things first, if you don't want this spoiled for you, make mm. sure, if you have not seen the movie Split, make sure you go see it before listening to this one, because nothing but spoilers this episode, pretty, pretty <laughs> much. I absolutely love this movie. I uh, I felt like James McAvoy got robbed and didn't even get an Oscar nomination. He was phenomenal in this. <laughs> It's such a good movie, right? I also want to say while we're at it, you might as well watch Unbreakable. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen Split yet, for no reason at all, watch Unbreakable. <laughs> you don't really have to, but we're, we're probably going to be tracking. I'm sure we're going to connect all the dots. Yeah. But yeah, so in the Unbreakable series, you have Unbreakable, then you have Split, and then you have glass. So really, if you also just want to plan ahead, just watch all three. Yeah, watch all. <laughs> yeah, watch all three because yeah, they they're all connected in the coolest of ways. Like this is this is M Night and M Night Shyamalan movie, and it's him at his best. I think like mm. this is some of his best stuff. With him, I feel like there's it's never really middle of the road. Either it's really good or. <laughs> It's the stuff of memes, right? Like it's it's <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing in the middle. He's it's <laughs> disruptive at best, right? Nothing in the middle, everything on the ends, right? <laughs> but I I absolutely love this movie and we talked about it because we were like, Oh, it'd be great to do something fun and different for Halloween and mm -hmm. serial killers are in right now. Well and also it's got that it's got more of a horror -y feel oh, that definitely. I actually remembered and there's kind of that psychological thrilleriness to it i am not a lover of horror movies so if you don't love horror movies you can still make it through these movies i promise yeah this definitely it has its scary moments but i wouldn't say it's, it's horror definitely thriller mm -mm. thriller's the word right yeah 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 thriller and there's definite definitely the psychological components it's weird yeah i don't know why i hate horror and i love psychological thriller Someone's going to have to break me down for me on that one. No, they're, they're very different. They're very different because a psychological thriller is like makes you think it has a plot twist. Mm -hmm. And like horror movies, you love those twists. it's just like exploding heads and, go so, and yeah, gore. I don't like gore. And you know what? When I can tell a movie is trying to manipulate me into being scared. I get scared, but you know how I deal with that? I just get really pissed off about it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> don't manipulate my feelings and emotions. There we go. So yeah, there you have it. So yeah, this a is a psychology. This is a psychology podcast. If y'all have not <laughs> caught on yet, oh man, Doc, Dr. Brown, she she knows her stuff. <laughs> 
So the reason, because this season we're hitting on different providers or roles of people that, that provide mental health help. So therapists, medication providers, uh, peer support, et cetera, et cetera. So you may or may not remember, depending on how long ago it was you watched this movie, but there actually there's a psychiatrist in it who does therapy and specializes in dissociative identity disorder, Dr. Karen Fletcher, and she is treating James McAvoy's character. Yes. And gosh, they did such an interesting thing with this because I think her specialty is looking at the physiological changes associated with the psychological changes, right? So she was definitely going, it seemed, beyond the, okay, so dissociative identity disorder. Previously, people referred to as multiple personality disorder, just to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about here. So essentially, you have one body, theoretically one identity that a person grew up with, but within that entity, you have multiple personalities or multiple factions of their personality that that come out in ways where you're you're seeing portraying yourself and being portrayed in totally different ways. Part of you might be a young child, part of you might be an older person, part of you might be an expert in I don't know, science, another one of you is an artist. So you have all these different personas within yourself. And so, yeah, she specializes in this, but you're right. She kind of tinges into something a little different that hits really well with the Unbreakable storyline. Once again, watch Unbreakable. I love that movie. It's awesome. And it, it stems well into kind of what she thinks about, which is essentially... Yeah, we often see people who struggle as, oh, these things make life harder for this person. But she was actually looking at what strengths, what additions do they have in their lives that they wouldn't have had if they were just one person, one persona. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it was actually a, a pretty cool take. So when I looked at it this time, preparing for it, I looked at the special edition that had all of the different deleted scenes. Oh. In there, and it's crazy. Sterling K. Brown was in this movie, and all of his scenes were cut. He was another doctor that lived near the main doctor in this movie, and yeah. he did a lot of his research with the placebo effect. Yeah. And so their back and forth throughout the movie was really, really interesting. I was really upset that all of his, like the char- his characters, not in the movie at all, but. They have several conversations that were in deleted scenes that were just like. So that's interesting yeah. because there was there was one I think it was one scene where she's talking to a colleague. She's talking about this upcoming conference where she's essentially trying to really promote um, things about understanding dissociative identity disorder and some of these things that that she's delving into, and it pulled on this question of so you believe them. You believe that these things are happening or, or and and yeah, there's actually people that have dissociative identity disorder. It can be a really rough road. It takes a really long time usually to get diagnosed. And there's even a lot of questioning as to the a lot of times they might say the validity of the diagnosis. Is this something that is truly occurring versus what you were talking about is the placebo effect. So 
uh, let's take hypnosis, for example. When people are trying to hypnotize people in the audience, if you listen to someone talk about how they'll choose people in the audience because they're more receptive to being hypnotized. And so there has been this concern when it comes to dissociative identity disorder, how much of this is something that is there no matter what a clinician might say to you versus could it be something that develops or grows or maybe gets strengthened purely by kind of hinting or um, suggesting that there might be multiple personalities at play and then that pulls for that to actually happen. And so it's really tricky for these folks because a lot of times not only are they struggling, but they're also struggling to be taken seriously in, in the experiences they have from day to day, even when it comes to professionals. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's really interesting watching how Dr. Fletcher interacts with the main character in the movie james mcavoy's character the birth name is kevin wendell crom but mm-hmm. he has dissociative identity disorder and so we see at one time he's a guy named dennis he's a british lady named patricia he's a kid named hedwig he's a fashion designer named barry there's oral jade and then of course the main villain in the movie is mm. a He has 23 identities, and then there's apparently a 24th identity called the Beast that Mm -hmm. has all of these super abilities. Like, he can run super fast and climb walls, and he's bulletproof, like all of these things. And her expertise, like I said before, is it's all about physiological changes in them whenever they shift to a different personality. And at one point, I think she talked about how they have different allergies. Some of them wear glasses while the others don't. Some are left-handed, some are right-handed. And, you know, listening to it, it sounded really cool. But it was also one of those things where I'm like, uh, what's true and what isn't? Like, I know the, the superpower aspect is out there but yeah and she even doubts that so the the characters trying to bring about the beast actually try and pull her into everything because they're really excited when they realize how accepting she is of the different personalities she's not trying to just obliterate them all um is actually seeing the strength and power in diversification within a person and how that might come to be. She even was, I loved one quote she said, because I, I actually think you could take this out of context as, as a positive way of looking at mental health in general. We see people who are shattered as less than. Yes. What if they are more than? Oh, my favorite quote in the movie, the broken, with the villain at the end, he, he says, the broken are the more evolved. Like, yes. I, was, I absolutely love that quote and the music that's mm-hmm. playing with it. Like, it's just, I love this movie and and that's really what she focuses on she really focuses on the pros and how extraordinary all of these individuals are because the way she speaks to them is the way she speaks to 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 kevin is she sees 
Kevin as the 23 different people. Mm -hmm. Like even at one point she, and she knows them well enough that she's like, I don't think I'm talking to him. I think I'm actually talking to this person. Like she just, it shows that she really cares. But one thing that I was kind of concerned with is that it seems like this has really taken up her entire life. Like it really does seem like it, there's nothing yeah. going on outside of it except her research. I, she she even said at one point, I think two, one, I, I forget which personality, but I think she was actually saying that I chose this in, as my family instead of having a family. Right. And, and hey, there are people who work as their life, more power to them. I am not personally one of them. <laughs> but yeah, she, she definitely is... Is very, very much thinking about these things, really passionate, trying to advocate. And yeah, like you said, she she ta- she's taking these personalities and the people she works with where they're at. So for example, it, it's very much a consideration in terms of what does a person want to be called? So not, these are not the same things. I'm not insinuating that they are, but just to kind of help wrap our minds around how we, how we judge things differently. So we're becoming more familiar, say, with uh, gender fluidity, with what pronouns people might want to be called, he, she, they, et cetera. So actually someone with dissociative identity disorder may actually want to be called us because it's it, it they are viewing themselves as a a group yes and yet you you could have people that would instantly say yes let me call someone he she they even though the gender might be different from sex but a lot of times with dissociative identity disorder there's less of an understanding and then there's the question of well are we going down the wrong path are we suggesting something poorly and so there there can be it can be hard to be considered and and treated in the way that you're most comfortable with I think with this and and the other thing you highlighted that that I also want to point out too is there can also be the sense of okay well we got to get everything back to Kevin okay well I want you to picture Keaton that you are one of his you are one of the personalities that's not Kevin and I have the light you have the light. Right. You're chatting with Dr. Fletcher, and you get the sense that, oh, you only want Kevin around. You're trying to force the rest of us to disappear or to go away in some way, or you want to give Kevin the skills so he doesn't need me anymore. And you might actually end up with more kind of conflict if you're not open and saying, okay, well, how do we just make all of this work as well for you as we can? Whether that means one personality, whether that means better coordination amongst you guys so you can function better from day to day. But all this is really uncomfortable stuff for a therapist to be sitting down and working through with someone. It's it, it's sometimes some of the greatest places for growth and helping people in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm doing the best I can. I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be caring. I'm going to use the skills I know about. And there's a lot we don't know. And we're going to do the best we can. Right. Uh, but you're right. She she does approach him in a way that that seems to open open them up very well. And it's just this is I I walked away from, from this like watching it now, knowing that we were going to be talking about it. I walked away from it, and I had so many more questions because 
it seemed like all 23 of these personalities outside of the 24th one that we don't meet until basically the climax of the film, these 23 other personalities all have their own lives. Mm. And, and that was one thing that was really interesting to me. Like for example, the, the Dennis character, he's like a germaphobe. He's, he's a germaphobe. Like he, he likes cleanliness. He can't handle any kind of mess. But I think that it, it they made it seem like this the main character either hiding out at the zoo or working there or it wasn't or, he works there or living, but it yeah. seemed like he was also squatting. It wasn't clear that right. they knew he was living there. Yeah, it definitely seemed like he worked there because I remember the Patricia character. She's given all the random facts about tigers, and then at the end of the movie, you see that they're in a zoo, and you see a tiger walk across, and it's like, oh, <laughs> right. And and so yeah. it, I was just confused because I'm like, all of them have their own separate lives, but they all exist inside the same body. Like the idea of it, it's almost unfathomable. Like it's, it's really, really mm-hmm. interesting how it all works. And on top of that, finding out that these other personalities were triggered by events of extreme trauma. Yes. And so one of the, th- there's a, a lot of things that are, difficult to understand still trying to be understood etc related to this diagnosis uh but one of the really strong patterns is just a very traumatic childhood um which essentially i mean think about what you have at your disposal as a child versus when you're an adult there's not only just in terms of your level of independence and what what tangible resources you have money your ability to move from place to place um, your ability to just kind of take care of your basics, but also your just ability to manage emotions and the situations going on around you. You've got a lot less at your disposal. I mean, think about the tantrums in the middle of the grocery store yeah. of a little child. If a, if an adult did that, we'd say, well, hold on a minute. They'd also call the police. It's, yeah, they might call the police. With a kid, it's really annoying right. <laughs> for a lot of people. Uh, the parents are probably like, oh, my God, please stop. But at the same time, people get that it's a kid. They're not fully developed in being able to manage all of those things. And so when really terrible things happen at these young ages, the brain has to find ways to to manage. And so dissociating, losing touch with reality in different ways can can definitely come into play, which is part of what, what happens with this diagnosis. Yeah. And it's... Another thing that's interesting about it is I there's a part of me that just wants to know like how much of this is fictional versus real because mm-hmm. a, another thing that's interesting is how some of them speak different languages and some of them are professional bodybuilders and in my mind I'm like okay either these personalities had to be there for a very long time and separately train for these things or learn these languages because it's not like a brand new language is just inherent on someone mm-hmm, that has mm-hmm. never spoken it before, right? 
Well, and that's a really good context that you're thinking about this. So how does the brain tend to work? How does learning tend to happen? How does memory tend to happen? And and what makes sense of this? And I was, so I am not an expert in dissociative identity disorder. This is a, when it comes to expertise in, in mental health, this is a, a very specialized area. Uh, I have had interactions with people who have dissociative identity disorder, um, and, but but I would absolutely not call myself an expert. But I did kind of delve in a little bit into the research. Okay, what do we have right now? It was honestly a struggle to find much data in terms of these kinds of things that you're talking about. There are case studies, so essentially one-offs mm. uh, in terms of examples. And part of that is just the the low diagnosis uh, uh, of this disorder. Um, so there's just not as many examples, but also there's variability and intensity of any experience. And so these are going to be probably some of the more extreme ones where it's super obvious and there are all these huge differences that you can tell right off the bat. Honestly, you know, it's a lot of times things are more subtle, especially if a person's figured out a way to maneuver around the world and do their thing. Just because you have DID, dissociative identity disorder, doesn't mean you can't have a job. You can't maneuver around the place. You know, you 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 all might have figured out how to make it work. So I, I could not really find much on that. Uh, interestingly, I found a little bit more from people with dissociative identity disorder kind of talking about this yeah. and people asking questions and them kind of relaying. And someone was mentioning what you were saying, essentially. So um, when it comes to when was something learned and what personalities were around at that point, it might kind of soak into different personalities to different extents. So, uh, you know, if you were younger and there were only three personalities at that point needed and you learned Portuguese, I don't know, <laughs> you learned Portuguese. Um, it might be that certain personalities that were around might have a certain strength or weakness in certain things based on other ones that develop later or might not have been as active. And so it seems like, at least for people, that seems to be kind of some of the sense of explaining some of those things. But a good thing to keep in mind, too, is the brain is a very, very powerful thing. We underestimate what the brain can do. Think about... I'm trying to think of some examples here. Think about panic attacks. Right. Actually, panic attacks are very common. Most of us will have at least one panic attack in our lives. They're not pleasant. That is a very physiological response to anxiety. And you might not even be aware of where that anxiety is coming from, per se. Or um, think about being so stressed that you feel sick or ill or nauseous. These are all examples of how strongly our brain can actually affect our bodies. And so a lot of times we see that as something, oh, there's something wrong with that person. How that doesn't seem right. How in the world could could there be these differences purely based on you know what your brain is doing? But man, it's just a, a powerful mechanism. And there are just so many ways we underestimate what it can do. And we're still figuring out so much of it. Yeah. And un- unfortunately our 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 good doctor does not get a chance to figure it all the way out because throughout she's she's basically she's denying to the 23 personalities that there is a 24th one she she kind of doesn't want to believe it like that's not a thing that's impossible and they're like no it's a thing and 
because they're talking about a supernatural form. Right. And so she's been talking more about, okay, physical changes, but things that you would see within the realm of humanity. Yeah. Versus this creature that can crawl on the ceiling and has unbreakable skin people. and yeah, eats people. Yeah. Right. And and at one point, of course, she she does not make it through the movie, unfortunately. And and he basically just bear hugs her to death. to death. And you find out like these powers are actually real because before that you'd seen them running really fast and leaping, and it's like, okay, a person can do that. But she tries to stab him, and it br- oh, and yeah. it breaks the knife, and it's like, oh snap! Like, what is happening right now? Like, this is insane. But yeah, her demise actually ended up coming just from one. At a certain point, I feel like if you're checking on patients, you should have some kind of backup, right? Like, I don't think. Yeah, she just kind of walks off with him. Yeah, back to his lair right (laughs) right it's very much a lair right like i don't yeah i think that wasn't it was a horror movie moment it was (laughs) yeah it 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 was it would have been tough to figure out what to do to be honest in that situation but yeah um going with someone alone somewhere without anybody knowing where you might be going etc not the best thing because the during the whole movie some personalities don't want the beast to happen right to materialize because there's terrible stuff mm-hmm. that is it, being done to people and and so they're trying to stop it so when they're in the light i.e when they have control of of kevin's body what they're doing is reaching out to dr fletcher trying to get help mm-hmm. but by the time she's actually connecting with them it's it ends up people are in the light that want the beast and so there's all this back and forth and she can tell something weird and shifty's going on. And there's all this talk about sacrifices and stuff that's probably concerning to her, but right. it's not concerning enough for him to get hospitalized. I mean, it was a tricky, it's a tricky scenario to figure out what to do. I myself would be consulting with someone to maybe kind of, yeah. I, I would be talking to another colleague to try and figure out what to do in this scenario. Cause there's a lot going on. Yeah. Because honestly, I'm, there were a lot of moments in there where I'm like, at this moment right here is when she needs to possibly maybe see if she can have him detained for some more testing because there were several different times when I was like, uh, that doesn't sound healthy. She should look into that, but not by herself and not (laughs) in a dark alley after hours. Like she should maybe press. It was tricky because there was, that's one of those situations where they did a good job of making it so you're definitely concerned, but you're going to second guess yourself. Right. And those are the times when you go in the deep, dark, dungeony place with someone when you're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they kind of doubled her role up because she, since she was basically the only person that knew this character, she she was the mm-hmm. only person that knew this character, essentially. And they they kind of give her the role of a detective as well because mm. she knows yeah, all the different true. personalities and like I, I really liked one scene at one point and it's like oh it's not di- that he just walked directly through that trash it's like yes he did that as an act no one would actually do that though like she actually broke the yeah. she, see i'm not that smart right i'm not that smart i wouldn't have figured that out right she actually broke these different characters down and i thought it was she was yeah. a very brilliant doctor and it's bad because like i said they they cut out a whole portion 
of the film, her interactions with her her neighbor that lived nearby, because they constantly talked about uh, social interactions. And it's sad because she's basically lonely and she actually has like a crush mm-hmm. on him and he doesn't pick up on it until it's hit like a really awkward stage. And but the the end all is kind of this thing where she basically accepts that this is my life and I don't have anything outside of it essentially. And yeah, yeah. it's, and that's why having a life outside of your job is useful. Right. <laughs> it's, right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, okay. I, I want to make sure that there is something that we talk about before. Yeah. During, during this episode, okay. which is the fact that while I do enjoy this movie, I actually think they do a really good job of having her be a very caring person and showing some good ways of trying to approach someone who has dissociative identity disorder. They're, I'm sure they don't speak for everyone because every group is has different people in it. But there are actually a number of people with dissociative identity disorder and other mental health advocates that are not a fan of this movie and are actually quite offended by the usage of the mental illness as an avenue for essentially a, a, a creative movie. Um, and, and, you know, one of the issues with dissociative identity disorder in particular, it seems to be just really popular in terms of let me make a fictional story that I, I I can just take in in all sorts of different directions and you never know you know you have all these personalities going on and it's in one person who can see that come? so people love using this this plot line a lot and I, I think that there are people that grow tired of it especially because you know you've you've got this guy um some renditions of Two-Face have a, a dissociative identity disorder kind of framework to them. Um, there, are, there are a lot of places where there's some sort of violent component that comes into play. Right. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. Per- one of the personalities is always villainous. Yeah. It seems like there's always a villain in there. You've got to have, you got to make it extreme. You got to make it worth watching or reading or whatever it is. And it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous how much people focus in on this diagnosis in in general. It's definitely one of the most popular Hollywoody ones yeah. to use. And I, I think that folks grow tired of that, especially because, yeah, there always tends to be a villain in within the personalities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things uh, M. Night was when in some of the interviews he was talking about when he made this movie he kind of had the idea of yes someone with multiple personalities but also the idea behind autistic savants and some of the extraordinary things that they are able to do Mm. uh it almost kind of sounds like he kind of meshed them together like oh the idea of someone with dissociative identity disorder that also had extremely rare and amazing talents yeah and that's the tricky thing is I do believe the message he's trying to convey. I mean, we we brought up multiple quotes today right. that really struck to us that are really very recovery oriented in terms of let's not look at people who have mental illnesses as as completely broken. Let's let's look at these people as hey, what did what have they gained from their struggles or 
um, what strengths do they have? We tend to a lot of times focus on what problems, what issues, what's dragging someone down, what's causing the problems. But what's lifting them up? What's helping them be resilient? What's moving them forward? And and it does seem like that's a message he's trying to convey. But for some people, I don't think they could get past the, okay, here's someone just once again using our diagnosis, having a villain, having the violence, the violence and, and mental illness correlation that you see constantly over and over and over again in in the media and and also creatively and what people form is just something that that people grow I think really tired and sensitive to because it it affects how people treat them too yeah especially when they're constantly seeing it misportrayed and done the wrong way and and campy and and seeing memes of it all day like I can Mm -hmm. I can yeah I can definitely see that getting very very old and very very frustrating it it is a very very interesting thing to study, and I mm-hmm. I I'm it made me very very curious. I went on a deep and a deep dive. Not a bad thing. Yeah, curiosity is not a bad thing. It's it's exactly so deep diving from there. And hey, I know you 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 know you're you're science brained. I I know you you're gonna say oh I'm curious, right. and then you're gonna look for data and research yes. and. And, numbers. <laughs> and the information and the numbers and and not everyone has that skill set or not everyone's going to necessarily have that compulsion to do that but curiosity is actually it tends to be one of the best ways to respond to things that we don't understand because we could also be responding with fear or avoidance or yeah, that's true or kind of this pushback or trying to separate and so curiosity is good because it kind of draws us in to learn more and understand more that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. So good job. Do we have a mindful nerd moment for today? Yeah. So I was trying to think of something to do that would hopefully not be traumatizing to people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's that's a lot good. of intense stuff that goes on. In, I know. It's very intense. It's intense stuff in the Oh my gosh, it's very intense. And yeah, but I wanted to stick with the theme of, you know, doing something, a mindful nerd moment that still connects to the material. So what I was thinking was we could focus in on Kevin Wendell Crumb. So there's a part in the movie near near the end, I think, where Dr. Fletcher has essentially written down his name because the name of essentially the original personality, if called, in this case, if his full name is called, then he comes into the light and is able to interact. But these other personalities have become stronger and so he actually loses that light to other characters who are trying to bring the beast who then wreaks havoc and murders people and stuff so what i was thinking is we could do bring back some box breathing which i think we it's been a little bit since we did that um but do some box breathing with kevin wendell crumb when he's trying to hold on to the light and and focus on being able to be in the present moment because there's a lot going on and when there's a lot of stress and and fear and things happening those are times where actually it might pull for other personalities to come into play to to manage that um, but there was a lot going on where he wanted to be in the light so i figured we could pretend that we were kevin wendell crumb and we just found out that the beast, people are trying to pull the beast out. And it's this horrible thing that's kidnapped these girls and wants to murder people. And so, okay, I want to stay in the light. 
And sometimes when things get overwhelming, just focusing on your breath is the best route to go. All right, so that's what we're gonna focus on. When it comes to this one, so usually what we do is we, of course, pay attention to our breaths. We, we oftentimes will have our eyes closed. You may want to keep your eyes open for this one just because especially when emotions are high, it can be hard to focus. And so the reason we're going to do a box is it gives you something to visualize. So you can even look for something in your room that has four sides. So you may choose to keep your eyes open this time around. So let's start as we always do with sitting straight, but you know, making sure you're still relaxed and comfortable. And once again, you can leave your eyes open for this one, but if you prefer to just kind of envision in your mind the, the box we'll be using, that's okay too. And so while you're sitting there, just focus in on your breath. Just notice what it's like to inhale and exhale. Not trying to change anything yet, we're just paying attention to it to help us focus in on Kevin Wendell Crumb and the scenario that I was just describing. So as you breathe in and out, I want you to picture yourself in that dark room. And you are Kevin Wendell Crumb. You are in the light and you've just found out that there's this beast and other personalities are trying to bring it back. You're starting to get scared. You're worried. And you feel this pull for someone else to take over the light. But you need to stay in the light. So what you're going to do is focus in on your breath a bit to just try and, and help you through this moment so that you can have the light a little longer. And so either in the room you're in or you can use your imagination picturing what Kevin might be seeing in the room, I want you to look at something with four sides. And we're going to start in one corner and we're going to move up with an inhale. So breathe in as you go up. Then when you go across the top, you're gonna to hold your breath. When you go down the other side, you exhale. And then when you move along the bottom, that last side, you hold your breath again. Once again, going up, you inhale. Going across the top, you hold. Going down the other side, you exhale. And then going across the bottom, you hold. If it helps, you can actually use your finger. Keep doing that. Keep tracing with your eyes. When you go up the one side, you inhale. When you go across the top, you hold. When you go down the other side, you exhale. When you go across, you hold. And as you're doing that, feel free to try out actually using your fingers to visually help you track the sides just to help you focus. We'll do one last one together as Kevin. Up one side, inhale. Go across the top, holding your breath. Then exhale down the other side. Then hold your breath. And then now just go back to breathing as usual. You're Kevin, you held that light a little bit longer. Congratulations, that can be hard to do. And now what we're going to do is we're going to just going to shift in our seats a little bit because we're now going to shift from Kevin back to you. And we're going to shift back into the podcast to finish things up. So just kind of moving around a little bit, getting back into the flow where you're at. You're no longer in that scary dungeony place. You're no longer Kevin. You're you. 
and we'll see what you thought of that mindful nerd moment. I liked it. I like that one. I, I do enjoy the bots breathing just because I think the, the first time we did it, it reminded me of like when I used to run track and like do sprints and stuff, mm. I would be so out of breath. And I, the way I would try and catch my breath again is I would try and slow down my breathing, breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth, in through my nose, out through mm-hmm. my mouth. And it would kind of help me regain that composure and just yep. get back to that. And so that's what this always reminds me of, because no matter how panicked you are, you can always like, okay, take some deep breaths, mm-hmm. get it together. You're alive, so you're breathing. Yeah. You might as well use it. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's like, yeah, and you just take hold of your reality, which brings me to like one of, another quote that I really liked from this movie. It's, we are what we believe we are Mm. and i really i just i loved that quote it was it's funny because it's (laughs) the villain if you will of this movie was actually said some really good things but Mm -hmm. (laughs) did the wrong things with it thanks for nerding out with us i'm clinical psychologist dr amelia brown find me on social media at crafting the mind I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.